Welcome to the Five Keys Bite, a burst of inspiration for teachers and educators. This is the audio version for October 2017. This is the Bite, a burst of inspiration for teachers and educators, brought to you by the Five Keys Academic Committee. For more information about the Academic Committee, please visit our website, www.thefivekeysbite.org, or stay tuned until the end of this recording. For this month's Inside Scoop, Kristen spoke with Executive Director Steve Good to learn 10 things you didn't know about Steve Good. Number one, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, so that's a great question. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is that um, I'm embarrassed to admit that I was really pretty unambitious. Um, actually, I had no clue what I wanted to do other than try and play baseball every day. Uh, for better or worse, you know, it took me nearly seven years in four different colleges before I graduated, and it wasn't until graduate school that I decided to become a teacher. Um, and that was only because I wanted to have summers off. That, that's true. But the funny thing is, is once I started teaching, I actually never took a summer off. Um, it was way too much fun. It's still my favorite job of all time. And um, just by pure luck, I found a job that I loved. We're very grateful that you found teaching, or that teaching found you. (laughs) (laughs) This question wasn't included in the written article, but I wanted to ask about your family, because you did share a beautiful photo of you and your wife and kids in Yosemite. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, I have, uh, thanks, thanks for asking. I've been married, gosh, today's my anniversary, 21 years. My, uh, thank you, my kids are twins, boy-girl twins, obviously boy-girl twins in the picture. They're both 15. They're juniors at Encinal High School. They, uh, my son plays varsity baseball. My daughter plays uh, varsity soccer and softball. And they both um, teach Taekwondo. They're both black belts in Taekwondo, and they actually have a job teaching it after school. So I'm pretty lucky. They're pretty awesome kids. It's, uh, I got really lucky somehow. My wife's amazing, too. Oh, how did you meet your wife? That's embarrassing, but I met her in a bar. <laughs> oh, and what drew you to her? Uh, I thought she was really pretty. <laughs> Next question. Well, she's your wife now, so she must have thought you were pretty too. But yes, next question. What's one thing you want to do before you die? Yeah, there's lots of things. And this sounds kind of hokey, but I really want to go sing Sweet Carolina Fenway and Yates with my son. Hmm. Um, that seems like something we both would really love because we both love baseball. Um, and um, yeah, that and to get to see my kids uh, grow up. Those are my two goals. I'm not too ambitious at this age. Those are good goals. And I hope you get to sing Sweet Caroline one day. Other than in the shower, yeah. Maybe before the security guards come and chase you off the field. Maybe before, exactly. Next question. What is your favorite thing about Five Keys? Yeah, you know, that's actually a really easy question. Uh, it's without without a doubt the staff. You know, when I used to be a traditional school principal, I used to love the kids. It was, I love the kids, then the staff. This, and this is such a different situation that I feel really privileged to get to work um, for an organization that has such great employees. It's, it's amazing. Um, our school is a result of the hard work of our staff, and that's just the truth. Um, they're the best, most dedicated, competent group of professionals I've been lucky enough to work with in, in any arena. And um, today I was with a board, actually two board members, touring uh, 
at Los Angeles programs, and they were both blown away. They couldn't believe how great our staff is, our teachers, from our CTE teachers to our independent study teachers to our site-based teachers in the jails um, to the op staff and transcript team. It's, um, it's pretty, pretty quite remarkable that we have so many dedicated folks. We do have an amazing staff. Next question. If you could change one thing about Five Keys, what would it be? Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> what I would change is easy, actually, to, to select. To do would be much harder. Um, for one thing, I'd love to see longer prep periods for teachers and shorter school years to get folks a chance to recharge. Uh, more funding so we could pay for more case managers, absolutely, and create more opportunities for direct links to employment for, for our, our students. Um, Unfortunately, so much of what we do is tied to state regulations and instructional minutes. Um, seven years ago, we had fewer instructional minutes, so we could have done something a little bit differently, but today it's, that's not the case. Hmm. Um, more and more regulations coming down the pike uh, make things harder and harder to accomplish. So um, if I had a magic wand, yeah, more prep period, get rid of WPRs, um, and to have far more case managers so we could get our folks into housing and employment upon release. Wow. Um, actually, the, the latter part of trying to get folks into employment upon release is something we're working uh, on quite in earnest, and we are developing a job training program, we think, which is going to launch in July, along with we're seriously exploring funding a social enterprise to provide direct employment under five keys upon release from, from custody. So these are things that we have in the, in the, in the pipeline. That's great. So there's a lot you're doing without the magic wand. Yeah, just some magic dollars is all we need for those. Of course. Well, those are great things to look forward to. Next question. What personality trait do you admire or appreciate most in a colleague or staff member? Yeah, super easy. Uh, integrity and emotional intelligence. That's it. If you've got those two things, you've got the, the formula for, to be successful. Okay, great to know. Next question. Name one thing you like to see when you walk into a teacher's classroom. Yeah, I like to see a couple things, man. I like to see people like enjoying what they're doing. I like to see engaged students, teachers interacting with their students, questioning, encouraging students. I mean, we know without a question that research has shown time and time again the biggest impact on students' academic performance is isn't their ability or their desire or the curriculum. It's really the teacher and their belief in the student's ability to achieve. Teacher efficacy is without question the number one thing that drives student success. I mean, if you think about it this way, somebody believing you in any arena can help push you further. If you're running on a treadmill and say you're stuck at running at seven miles per hour and you think that's all you could do, if you had a coach alongside you pushing you harder and harder, next thing you know you'll be running at eight, nine miles per hour. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with education. Having somebody there to push you and encourage you and to support you is really the key between a student's mediocre performance and a student's really excelling and stretching their limits. That's true. But we do have a lot of really encouraging cheerleader teachers, so that's great to hear that that's what you want to see. Next question. What is one workplace pet peeve of yours? Yeah, negative talk about colleagues and negative talk about students. <laughs> Don't ever want to hear it. That's it. Right, it might provide temporary stress relief, but it can really divide and pull us down. Next question. It is said that many leaders are scared about developing people and then having them leave. They should be more worried about not developing people and having them stay. In what ways are you developing five key staff? Yeah, so that's a, it's, 
it's hard and challenging, and I actually love that quote, and I use it all the time. Um, so I was really happy to see that in one of the questions. The truth is, we've been trying to figure out ways to develop all staff at all levels for a long time, but we have a lot of competing priorities. One of the big steps we've taken, I think, is the new academic committee and the hiring of a director of training. The investment in a new learning management system as well are two big things, or three big things, we're doing to really invest in training. I mean, one of the things is onboarding. We've went from a you know, rather informal onboarding process a couple of years ago now to an onboarding process that has 22 different modules for somebody to go through to make sure that they're really prepared to go into the job. But then going beyond that, when somebody is on the job, it's important that we continue their professional development growth. Right now, we're going to be launching a, uh, an initiative trick to, A, evaluate the effectiveness of our, um, not just the academic programs, but our back office programs and seeing if we're really being efficient in those areas. And then we want to introduce training for our leaders and all of our staff in areas to make them better at what they're doing. Um, we're going to be launching, actually, we've already began to launch the 5 Keys Institute, which is just what it, what it sounds like, it's an institute for training five key staff. Traditionally, schools really focus on the professional development of the teachers, which is hugely, hugely important. But we also need to develop, work on the professional development of folks that aren't in the classroom to make them better, better equipped to do their jobs and possibly find other areas of interest for them to move into. Likewise with management. We need to really look at how we're training our managers and leaders. Um, and that's going to be a big investment for us in the second half of this year. Great. So you're intentionally taking action to grow employees at all levels. I, I, I believe we are. It's, it's already started. It's already started with Erica Meyer coming in, director of training. Anybody's been in her workshop, she's amazing. Um, as well as the academic committee, which we're super excited that you're that you're chairing for us. Next question. A recurring theme in the focus group responses was that Five Keys leaders are good, well-intentioned people, but are spread too thinly. As a result, teachers often feel neglected and underappreciated. What thoughts do you have when you hear this, and what can be done or is being done to address this? Yeah, so that's totally true. That's something that I've heard from you know staff in the past, too. I mean, there's also another reality to it, too, and I'm not, I don't want to by any means minimize those real feelings because they are real and I actually see that. But I've actually seen that at every school that I've worked at. Um, in the last 20 years as an administrator, it's, it's really a common thing in education. Um, it doesn't make it right by any means, uh, but it's real. Um, we honestly look, took a look at last year's focus groups to get a, um, to get a sense of where folks were at with in terms of the support that they were getting. And we heard loud and clear that some people didn't get the support that they needed. And we've taken some active changes and moved some leaders around, um, short up leadership in other areas uh, to try and address this. Um, we're hoping that this year we're going to see a little bit more stability, reduce the number of sites a leader has. Um, and when we survey folks near the end of this year, we hope that we'll see the investment in training, the um, moving some leaders around, hiring some new leaders, uh, like the College Career Pathways, having both Rachel and Kimberly at PDC, um, having Shelly step over, over the CTE program, and having Chris move into a curriculum development support area up north, bringing Lisa on board and Tyler up in Alameda. Um, I, I think that these are all changes that I have actually already heard some very positive returns. It doesn't mean that we're forever going to eliminate this issue, 
but it's something that we are taking seriously and have taken action on, and we'll see, you know, I think we're going to see some positive returns near the end of the year. Uh, it's something we always need to continue working on, though. Well, we appreciate that you guys posted the focus groups and are trying to adjust the feedback that you received. Thanks. It's, it's you know, it's, sometimes it's not, it's not easy hearing some of the feedback we got, but it, it's important that we do hear it. It's, right. You know, that's the feedback that matters. So right. it was totally worth the experience. Thanks. Last question, number 10. How have you changed since starting with Five Keys, and where do you hope to take Five Keys? Yeah, so uh, 10 years ago when I started Five Keys, I had brown hair. Today it's mostly gray. Um, we had a staff of only 15 when Lisa and I started, and she and I literally did everything from interviewing to hiring to subbing and rolling students, writing curriculum, painting some of our sites, physically painting them. Um, I mean, almost writing the policy, all the school policies, the procedures, all that stuff really had its roots in the initial work that uh, I did with Elise going back, you know, seven, eight years. Um, now the book my time is really uh, doing different things, developing new partnerships, communicating with partners, working on funding proposals and program development, uh, meeting with the various departments and counties we work with. Uh, looking for new opportunities to support programs we already have existing, working with foundations and funders. Um, these are all things that I've um, really been spending a lot more time on. One thing that I, I really miss, but I try and do as much as I can, that's to try and stay connected to staff, staff as much as I possibly can by walking in classrooms, even if it's just for a moment to say hello to staff or say hello to students. Um, these connections and collaborations are really important to me, and I've made many mistakes in this area over the years, um, which can turn me a lot of friends. I mean, one of the areas that I really had to grow in was when I initially started, I was uh, not the nicest um, to deputies, and that didn't serve the school well. Um, I learned through um, accomplishing our goals um, may take longer if if I'm not as nice and um, open as I can be to, to the correctional staff. So that was something that I've had to grow into, and um, I find it we work so much better when we work in partnership with deputies as opposed to fighting them and, and taking that negative attitude towards them. So that um, has really changed for me. Um, I also believe uh, we, every single employer, teacher, board member, and partner student, uh, that we've built the most unique, one-of-a-kind program in the country. Um, literally, like for instance, I, literally, I'm very institute is flying me to Houston next week to talk about our program. This is so common for our staff to be invited to speak at conferences all the time because there literally is no other school like ours that not only does charter education, but does CD, CTE stuff, both on the inside and outside, does case management, cognitive behavioral programming, substance abuse, pet grooming and watering, you know, all in one agency. It's it's amazing. And I think that we're going to see some more exciting initiatives come up in the years uh, in the years ahead. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, at the end, and all the changes uh, we make with our students, literally changes that change the lives of our students, their kids, and for generations to come, you know. You know, the naysayers that don't believe in what we do, there's three things that I always like to look at. If you don't believe in what we're, what we're doing, think about this. Everybody in jail is getting out. 
and everybody getting out, unless we do something to make them a better person, they're going to be a, a worse person probably when they come out, and they're going to hurt somebody else. So think about it from that public safety standpoint. What we're doing is making communities safer by making people less dangerous when they come out of jail. <laughs> the other area is everybody has a lot of, about 70% of the people in jail have kids. Going to jail is a family business. Hmm. And the only way to break that cycle of incarceration is to help retrain people that are incarcerated so they themselves don't go back to jail and so they can reunify with their families and keep their kids from going to jail. Because believe it or not, when you take a person and put them in jail, that creates a vacuum in the communities that those individuals come from, and it creates literally a pathway for that child to follow their parent right into custody too because they don't have the male support at home or mother's motherly support as well. And the last thing I have to say is if you don't believe in the kids, if you don't believe in making the community safer, think about this. The cost of incarcerating folks is so astronomically expensive, anywhere from sixty-five dollars to $100,000 a year per person. Think about the economics of it and how many millions of dollars, billions of dollars we save by training people. For every $1 we invest in educating somebody that's in custody, we see a $5 return on the economics uh, that we save by not reincarcerating them um, once they're released to the community. So it, it makes sense for public safety, it makes sense for future generations, and it makes fiscal sense. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, just this is an incredibly hard job we have. And we're not naive about the stress of working in the jails. We're not naive about the stressors of, you know, having to witness our students and the, the, the trauma that they've been through. And that's just not in the jails. That's in the community as well. You know, virtually by definition, our students are all at risk and all in risk. And that's, that can be really hard. Um, you know, when I, was, uh, when I was an elementary school principal and I was having a bad day, my favorite thing to do would be going to the kindergarten classroom and hang out with the kids for a while. That was totally recharge my batteries. But I'd say for you know, all staff, self-care is hugely important. To the extent that you can, don't take your work home with you. Don't, when I mean by don't take your work home with you, I mean don't take the troubles of the burden of your students home with you. Um, find an outlet you know, that brings you great joy outside of work. And if you need something to recharge your battery while you're thinking about work, watch some of our YouTube videos. Our graduation speakers, like Keith Timmons, every time I see his, it still brings tears to my eyes, and it reminds me of you know why I love this work and why we do this work. So you know, look at that. Look at the successes we have, and don't forget about self-care. And thank you, thank you for being such a great, great team at Bathys. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for everything you're doing to continuously improve our school. Well, well thank you. And it, it, it's not me. I have a ton of help from all of our leaders, Chris, Clarice, Lisa, Elise, Desi, uh, you know, the entire team, um, Dave, you name it, um, our staff, our teachers, to the, the folks that make photocopies for us. Every single person contributes, contributes to this agency and makes it work. For this month's Slow of the Month, Kristen spoke with several academic leaders from Five Keys to learn more about how to increase student achievement and skill development. I'm here with Rachel Dalton, one of our principals at Pitches Detention Center, to walk us through the first strategy, make time to build rapport. 
Rachel, why is it important to build rapport? Um, Kristen, I think that all learning is dependent on trust and safety. Uh, our students are not able to learn new content, to acquire new skills, um, and to really grow as people unless they feel that they are in a safe and trusting environment. And it's really the teacher's responsibility to create that environment. So on the blog, um, I talked about a f some really simple strategies that probably everybody is doing already. Um, smiling, making eye contact, greeting people as individuals, getting to know them as individuals. But these are things that teachers have to be really conscious about their body language and the way that they interact with their students um, and really also make sure that they are individually connecting with everyone. So on the blog, uh, we have some links to resources like icebreaker activities, community building circles, which you know I love and am a strong advocate for in any classroom, and um, also student questionnaires. And these are all resources that are downloadable and printable. Great. Well, thank you. Sure. I'm here with Julia Seymour, our Director of Special Education, to share some of the highlights from strategy number two, building systems to motivate and set goals. Hi, yeah, I'm really excited actually about this one because there's some really great strategies on the blog. They include increasing student ownership um, when doing daily assignments on weekly schedules, uh, when marking dates and deadlines, and um, using an agenda to create objectives for students. A really great example on the blog is from Brian Kelly. He shares his goals setting and feedback forms. And um, what's really nice is there's actually resources if you'd like to use those forms on the website. Um, we also have a really cool video from Denisha Bush. She talks about motivational in interviewing and um, how to increase accountability in her class. So definitely check that out if that's something you're interested in. Um, another great strategy is just giving opportunities for immediate success. Um, and that can be done through chunking and through quick and consistent feedback. One of the teachers that does a great job with that is Camille Williams. She chunks larger packets by uh, signing portions um, in two-week increments and um, then writing the due date directly on the packet. It makes it really easy for students to see and understand. We also have Alfredo Lopez who gives daily feedback and has student um, students initial when they complete assignments on a task. Um, and the last, uh, the last example that's on the blog is from Samantha Maynard. She holds subject-specific workshops and there's a really cool example of the calendar that she uses on the blog as well. So please check it out. There's amazing resources on the blog and I think that if you are able to set some of these goals and systems in your classroom, it's going to make you much more successful as a teacher. Great. Thanks so much, Julia. You're welcome. So I'm here with Noelle Scott, our Director of Transitional Age Youth Programs, to share a little bit about strategies three and four, using a variety of instructional models and celebrating student success. Noelle, can you tell us some of the highlights from strategy three? Thanks, Kristen. Um, over the last year, we've been really looking at how we retain students and how we engage students in their education. Our students have become really creative in trying new strategies to create opportunities for students to have success and feel really connected to their education. So in this month's blog, we look at how our teachers have switched up their ISP classes to engage and motivate their students. A couple of my favorites are um, creating uh, moments of sudden success for our students. So let's say we're in 
ISP lab and there's five students there, um, why not break out the preventative health curriculum and use that time to work together to complete this packet. So it only takes a couple hours, maybe an hour, um, if they're doing the quarter credit. And this is a unit that every student needs to graduate by state standards. So um, it's creating an opportunity for students to come into class and suddenly they have 0.25 credit on their transcript for that month. So that's really encouraging. Another strategy that we're seeing is students are, um, or teachers are incorporating calm classroom and community building circles um, into their class sessions. So again, even if you only have three to five students, taking time to um, use the calm classroom strategies really creates a calm environment and students can connect more with their work and then also it's really good for community building. So those are a few things that our teachers are doing that I just wanted to highlight and I hope you check out the blog and see what other cool things we're doing. You included some principal resources on community circles and other ways to, to build rapport. Absolutely. So we chose about 10 community building circle prompts um, that any teacher can use again in a small session like a small setting or even with 10 to 12 students at Boyle Heights we recently had a community building circle with 48 students yeah. that's a little crazy but yes please check out the printables um, and give it a try I think that your classroom will be a better place thank you can you tell us a little bit about how to celebrate student success well Absolutely. So what we know to be true is that only about 10% of our students that we see on a daily basis will actually graduate with us. And that's for a bunch of reasons. Um, it could be due to incarceration, homelessness, and just the transient um, population that we serve. So what we really want to focus on this year is celebrating student success. And whether you're in an ESL class, a life skills class, um, if you're teaching on the ranch, it's like a vocational trade, or independent study, or site-based. So we really like teachers to focus on celebrating our students' success. So whether the students are um, completing units for independent study or towards their high school diploma, whether they are um, making significant gains in their language development, if they're increasing their TAPE scores, changing behavior, or checking off the box of a new skill in their CTE class, we really want our teachers to slow down and recognize um, our student success. That encouragement um, is a huge motivator for all of our students. And again, it's not just a diploma. We have so many programs um, within Five Keys. We want to make sure that each student is being celebrated. Yes, and you provide a lot of really valuable photos to show us ways to do this, and I also noticed that there are some printable certificates on the site as well, so teachers can easily recognize their students. Absolutely, this is one of the benefits of this blog. We can take everyone's really great ideas and put them right here for you. Um, so I hope everyone enjoys it and checks it out and really celebrates our students this year. Thanks, Noelle. The slow of the month is 70% of students will complete one academic unit every 10 days. We've all heard of these strategies and know their value. Like a Rolex watch or a Chanel handbag, these four teaching tools have withstood the test of time. But in the busyness of teaching, one or two often get skipped, forgotten, overlooked, and undervalued for the sake of saving time. When applied intentionally and consistently, these instructional staples are sure to revamp your teaching style. Read more to find new ideas or twists on things you're already doing and watch as student attendance, motivation, and engagement soar. This article outlines four teaching strategies. One, make time to build rapport. Two, 
Build systems to motivate and set goals. Three, use a variety of instructional models. And four, celebrate student successes. We spoke with Rachel, Noel, and Julia, who shared the highlights of each of these four strategies. Be sure to visit the website to see the full article and download the ready-to-use resources. Curriculum Developments. It took me two days to coordinate time with Lisa Haynes, Director of Northern California, to talk about curriculum development, specifically the October updates and the five priorities as set by the September curriculum survey. We had a great conversation. She went through the survey and explained exactly what happened and things that are important to know, and I didn't properly record the file. So... Thank you all for participating in the September 2017 curriculum survey. We have reviewed the results and identified the following priorities. One, more curriculum to develop students in the 5.0 to 7.0 tape range. Two, adopt new geometry curriculum by 2018. Three, common core alignment in the science curriculum. Four, advanced math and English. Five, comprehensive digital literacy curriculum. Technology and culturally responsive instruction will be embedded in all content. For more information about updates to the curriculum, the curriculum surveys and their results, curriculum development highlights, curriculum corrections, friendly reminders, and more, please visit the website to read the full article. Feature Teachers. Meet your academic committee teacher reps, Northern California. Helena Lee High School. She is currently the ISP teacher at Oakdale, and before that, she taught computer skills at CJ5 and Maple Street. She started out as an elementary school teacher and then moved into high school college admissions counseling, which is where she discovered a deep appreciation for the intersection of tech and education, a.k.a. EdTech. Serendipitously, she had the opportunity to become the first employee of a transportation startup. So she grabbed that opportunity by the reins and learned a whole lot more through many failures and successes. She returned to education because she missed it tremendously and is now hoping to apply her skills to contribute to growing five keys efficiency and reach through technology, though she is no programmer. Her goal is to teach technology content to our students and improve our technology to help staff with our work. Caravalle, ESL. Kara is currently the ESL and Spanish GE teacher at the Mission Economic Development Agency, MEDA, in San Francisco. Before coming to MEDA a couple months ago, she worked at Glide in the Tenderloin for a year and at CJ5 for two years before that. She is also a teacher mentor for those teachers working on the credentialing process, and she runs the yearly art show. Before Five Keys, she was a social worker and an ESL teacher with various immigrant populations for seven years. She was so excited to be part of the academic committee and to represent you all as we work together to shape the future of Five Keys. She is especially interested in ways that we can incorporate classes, workshops, field trips, online learning, and guest teachers. Car is especially interested in ways that we can incorporate classes, workshops, field trips, online learning, and guest teachers into the ISP model. She also hopes to collaborate on fostering social-emotional learning in the classroom and best practices for teaching our ELL students. Fostering Southern California. Marcel Broussard High School. Marcel Broussard teaches students in South Los Angeles. She teaches ESL and ESL computer skills at the new Weber Community Center. She has been teaching with Five Keys for three years in a variety of different community sites. Prior to coming to Five Keys, she worked as a job developer and case manager for a work source center 
and as a teacher and teacher advisor for LAUSD's Division of Adult and Career Education, teaching academic, ESL, CTE, and parenting courses for high school students and adults. Honored to serve as a teacher representative on the Professional Development Subcommittee of the Academic Committee for the 2017-2018 school year, Marshall's vision is to aid in building the school-to-career bridge for Five Keys graduates to enter post-secondary education after graduation and completing a workforce development certificate and or two-year or four-year degree. Patrick Mitchell, CTE. Patrick Mitchell is the Five Keys Sustainable Agriculture Instructor at the Wayside Farm School. He is author of two books and numerous articles. Patrick has more than 20 years of experience in ecological horticulture and land-based education. For the past decade, Patrick has taken a hands-on role in various market-scale farm operations by growing and selling culinary herbs, citrus, vegetables, and other specialty crops. He is a scholar of the relationship between nature and culture and believes deeply in the transformative power of putting one's hands in soil. Patrick's vision for Five Keys is to see that the school becomes a true leader in transformative vocational education, to see it go beyond the watered-down career technical education model where students get neither the career training they need to perform a life's work or preparation needed to achieve successes in higher educational pursuits. In particular, Patrick believes that Five Keys can be a national model for education in the trades, where students learn to be problem solvers and doers, where farmers, mechanics, painters, welders, and woodworkers grow beyond the limits of science, math, and technology, where we teach our students, whether inside custody or outside, to grow to be healthy community members and contributors to families, neighborhoods, and the regions they choose to live in. Assessment and Technology Update state-mandated testing coming to Five Keys, article by Steve Good. As much as we hoped it wasn't true, it is. This year, we will participate in the CAA SPP Smarter Balanced Assessment, which means we will be administering standardized testing for English language arts, literacy, and mathematics in spring 2018. What are the Smarter Balanced Assessments? The Smarter Balanced Assessments are the new STAR tests the old standardized testing program, but they are computer-based and will measure student knowledge of California's ELA and mathematics standards through more than multiple-choice question. Shouldn't we be exempt or something? Five Keys is an alternative school that serves adult students through an exemption in Ed Code section 47612.1. As such, Five Keys only enrolls high school dropouts, credit-deficient students, and students that are referred to us by local school district. The average age of a Five Keys student is approximately 26, and the average length of enrollment is less than 60 days. Thus, the highly transitory nature of our students and the fact that virtually all of our students are either dropouts or severely credit deficient requires us for alternative school accountability measures, as am, to be replaced with Dashboard of Alternative School Systems, DOS. This does not exempt us from the CAASPP testing. The benefit of DOS program is that it recognizes our students are unique and that state testing isn't the best measure of success. So DOS programs exempt us from certain accountability consequences for low-performing students, while at the same time looking at other measures of success and accountability, such as pre-post-tape scores. The new DOS accountability indicators have not been developed yet. However, I am on the state task force for developing these new measures and will be certain to represent our unique students. What changes should we anticipate? One change that has recently taken place in preparation for testing is our enrollment policy regarding grade level placement. 
During the CAASPP testing window of 2016 to 2017 school year, we had 3,000 students enrolled as 11th graders. Of these, only 28 were actually high school age, 16 to 18 years old. Under the state testing guidelines, all 11th graders are required to participate in state testing. With our former enrollment policy, which placed all students with at least 55 credits into 11th grade, regardless of age, how long they had been away from school, and what type of credits they had, only 1% of our enrolled 11th graders fit the profile of the population the test is actually designed for. Thus, the the new grade level placement procedures are as follows. 1. Students 16 to 18 years of age will be placed in the same grade level as the school they last attended. 2. Initial placement will be based on student self-reporting. 3. Upon receipt of transcripts, correct grade placement will be verified. Students 19 years or older because of their age will be classified as 12th graders. Exemption. Regardless of age, students with no prior high school credits will be classified as ninth graders. We want to ensure we identify and appropriately place high school age students in the proper grade level and not have adults who have been out of school for years take this computer-based exam. We also want to ensure that our students are adequately prepared for these exams. Expect to see major curriculum developments over the next year. Acronyms to know in order of appearance. C-A-A-S-P-P. California Assessment of Student Performance and Progress replaced the STAR program in 2014. STAR, Standardized Testing and Reporting, the former state assessment program administered by the CDE, now replaced by the CAASPP. ASAM, Alternative School Accountability Measures, former system replaced by DAS, DASS, Dashboard of Alternative School Systems, replaced ASAM in 2017, holds alternative schools accountable for alternative accountability indicators that will be incorporated beginning of fall 2018. Southern California Area Superintendent Clarice Weinrob spoke about professional development opportunities. On the PD blog page, there's a list of currently featured PD opportunities available for all five key staff. You can also apply to become a teacher coach. You can submit a request form to attend an external PD and make suggestions for the PD blog. More about the teacher coach position. Formerly known as lead teachers, this position will support the professional development of other teachers and foster a coaching culture throughout the organization. Primary responsibilities include instructional and classroom management support of colleagues. This position does not include supporting teachers through the credential clearance process, but teacher coaches who want to do so can apply to be a mentor. Professional development opportunities include the Facilitation Skills Workshop, offered in both Northern California and Southern California. This will cover the following topics. New Hire Training Program Overview. Adult Learning. Latest and Greatest Trends in Theory. Facilitation Skills and Review. Group Discussion about Facilitation, Tips and Tricks. Volunteer Facilitation Presentation. The Book Club in Southern California. There's a book club in Southern California that is hosted by me, Clarice. The book club is mostly social justice and diversity books, things that affect our students. So far, we've read For White Folks Who Teach in the Hood. We've read Culturally Responsive Teaching in the Brain. And the next book that we're reading is When We Fight, We Win. All of these books have been great. Some of the book club meetings are facilitated by teachers. It's been a great way to talk to teachers about some of the current studies out in the world and how it affects our students and how it affects their classrooms. If you would like to join, you can fill out the Google form and submit it. You will also be added to the email distribution list in our Google Classroom. 
If you are in Northern California and you would still like to join our book club, please email me or fill out the Google form and we'll figure out a way to make it work. Substitute Teacher Education Pilot, the STEP program, is offered currently in Southern California. This program includes a series of eight classes covering the following topics. Classroom Management, Restorative Justice, Communication and Professionalism, Teaching ESL Classes, Lesson Planning and Delivery, Organization and Grading, Cultural Competency and Social Justice, and the final stage is a teacher interview preparation. Any teachers who are wanting to also attend are welcome to attend. Five Keys has recently adopted Calm Classroom, a program that uses research-based mindfulness techniques to help students and teachers increase self-awareness, mental focus, and inner calm. Students participating in Five Keys beta groups have reported feeling able to control emotions and make good decisions when triggered and help other peers do the same. They've also felt decreased anxiety in hostile situations and report that class felt more cohesive and at ease. Teachers reported that these exercises are useful in bringing students back together after a disruption or upset, that they break down barriers created by jail politics, students are more willing to work with others, that these exercises provide students with strategies to manage their anger, and that they give clarity that allows students to better focus on lesson content, retain information, and apply it to other situations. To experience it, come to the website and watch the three-minute video, Why Mindfulness is a Superpower. Then try a three-minute relaxation exercise body scan. Then download the technique script and try it out with your students. It's best to work it into your routine as something you do to open or close class. Calm classroom manuals with teaching instructions and 26 different mindfulness exercises are available. Please see your principal if you're interested in being trained. Thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of the Bite Podcast. This is Simeon Weinraub, your host, director and producer. Executive producer and grand poobah of the academic committee is Kristen Saito. A lot of this recording, and you hear it varies in quality a great deal, was done in the field using whatever we had available. But we also had a lot of help from the Little Village Studio in Boyle Heights at the Boyle Heights Technology Youth Source Center, from William Correa, Mr. Sag and His Jeans of Hard in the Paint. Music was provided by freesound.org. Thank you, and next month, I promise you, it will be shorter and better.